0: This is the Everything F1 podcast. Stay tuned to listen to all the latest breaking news from around the F1 paddock. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. We have along for the ride today Danny, Coops, Adam and James And we're here to talk to you all about the latest goings on around the F1 paddock, a chat about testing and all the latest breaking news. But sadly, first, we're going to talk about the deaths of two icons from the motorsport world. Firstly, we'll talk about the voice of F1, and that is Murray Walker. Now, sadly, Murray Walker died on the 13th of March this year. uh, And it hit the world hard, hit the Formula One world hard. To many, Murray Walker was the voice of F1. He was the person that introduced everyone with his excitement when you were watching the races. He retired in 2001 but was still very much within the world and he gave interviews and his opinions many times for the BBC uh, and of course to Sky when it was uh, broadcast there. Now, what were your memories of Murray Walker, Coops? Just
1: his voice in general. His, uh... Funny of you, mistakes. it's just his passion, his
0: enthusiasm. He was like he, he was just like one of one of you, one of us, wasn't he? he? Was he was just as excited about things. He was just well, if if not more so than uh, the average fan. He his excitement. He was just a big fan. He was just you, you know one of your family watching the sport with you and, and enjoying it just as much as you were. Um, do you remember a lot of a lot about Murray Walker, uh, Adam?
2: Uh, not really. Um I think I got into F1 after he retired. I'm not too sure. I can't really remember. Um mm-hmm. more remember the um the stories people say about him and you know sort of clips of him and all his uh yeah. Murrayisms as well. It's yeah. Always good for a laugh. Um but yeah, his his voice is synonymous with Formula One and you can see um especially now with Crofty, you know, he tries to so to emulate what um, Murray Walker did for F1 and for um, all the fans watching at home to bring them into uh-huh. the enjoyment of the race. Absolutely. You, you, you've
0: obviously touched on the Murrayisms there. They were a, a, a part of his unique style. Obviously, he was just so excited and so enthusiastic about what was going on on the screen um, that obviously he got a bit carried away and forgot a name or said something completely ludicrous. But we didn't. We didn't criticize him for it. It, it was all part of his charm. Uh, and there are many famous ones out there um, that obviously we, we we could read for days and days and days because there are so many of them and they're so great. Um, but I, what I like to what I like to say, as I say, is they were part of his charm, uh, and, and people don't have that same charm these days. If if Crofty makes a mistake, they're like, "Oh bloody Crofty, get it right." Whereas no one was like that with Murray at all. It was always like, "No, oh, uh, he's, he's made a mistake, but it's it's fun. It, it always added to the excitement. Like, oh, he's done another one. He's made another." another area it was always, always really great to, uh, to hear and it was always part of his part of his um, repertoire I guess um, Coops have you, have you got a favorite Murrayism
1: oh, there's nothing wrong with that card except it's on fire
0: <laughs> How about you Danny I know you're probably too young for uh, for any of the live commentary but you must have read some in the past and, and, and listened to some of the audio clips have you got a, a Murrayism that you're uh, that you'd favor? Um, as one of the ones that kind of makes you giggle?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, um, I am a bit young for him, really. I, I got into F1 after he finished, Yeah. after, after he retired. But, but it's funny, it's still, um, like Adam said, it's still, you know, the voice of F1. It's yeah. still the voice I hear, you know, when you think of races, you still hear his voice. It's because uh, um, I've just watched so many older races, you know, with his voice. And the excitement that comes from it is... It's brilliant. As you say, with Crofty, you know, a lot of people criticise him because of ex- his excitement and the mistakes he makes. But it's very similar. You know, yeah. and uh, I had a, a, a disagreement with somebody on Facebook, of course, because that's where all disagreements happen nowadays, <laughs> um, who was saying, you know, they really didn't like Crofty. Not in yeah. nice words, obviously, because it's Facebook. <laughs> but, and, and I said, you know, what, do you want somebody who just doesn't care? You know, uh, and there they go, and it's Hamilton again. And uh, Mm. you know, you want excitement, and you want somebody who who reacts the way you would if you were sat in that seat. Was it it, that was exactly how Murray Walker was? You know, that'd be how you were if you were sat there, excited, not quite able to get the words out because Mm -hmm. you're so excited. Yeah, it's. uh, I think that's why everybody related and loved him so much because that's how exactly how you would be when you were there. And he always was like that from, you know, every single race, just really excited to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I've, I've watched a uh, scene quite a few. Um, I think it, it's three lights. It's four lights. It's five laps. Yeah. Pause. Go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: He he even giggled it himself in that one, I think. He was like, oh, what am I talking about? <laughs>
3: yeah, we just got on with it.
2: Yeah. Well they the yeah. said, um, I think it was Martin Brundle said um the reason he started doing the go 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 um was to fill the time between the, the lights going out and them getting to the first corner, you know, because there wasn't much happened, so it was go 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 and then sort of give them time to sort themselves out
0: yeah <laughs> trick of the trade then a trick of the trade yeah. i mean i've got i've got a few here in front of me actually and I, one that kind of jumps out um <laughs> it was just obviously just yeah it, it's, it's a bit crazy it, i I know, I know it's an old cliche but you can cut the atmosphere with a cricket stump <laughs> like, I don't think that's a cliche <laughs> I've got a few more here. It's more of a celebration of his life if if we kind of talk about him in a fond uh, manner. I mean, we're obviously obviously devastated that he has gone, but he did live for 97 years. He had a great life uh, and he he instilled a lot of enjoyment for the sport uh, in a lot of people. Um, Let's just choose another one. Uh, And there's no damage to the car except to the car itself.
3: (laughs) unless i'm very much mistaken i am very much mistaken
0: <laughs> <laughs> and damon hill is following damon hill but you see if somebody else said that now they just wouldn't they, they'd get criticized and you know obviously social media would uh, would go absolutely crazy about it um but murray just never got that it it, it was always just looked at really fondly and uh you know
2: it's it, they were great to hear um i've got i've got they kind of got a good one here um He's obviously gone in for a pit stop. I say obviously because I cannot see anything.
0: <laughs> he's obviously just, when he's saying these things, he's obviously literally just trying to work out what's going on and he, his brain is just going 100 miles an hour, probably just as quick as the cars and he, he, he can't get his his words out properly. But it's brilliant. It's brilliant.
3: Um, Either that car is stationary or it's on the move. <laughs> It's just commentary to the extreme, isn't it? It's literally just saying exactly what he's thinking, looking.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> he's exactly 10 seconds ahead, or more approximately 9.86 seconds. <laughs>
2: um, he's he's the, with,
3: ha- with half the race gone, there is half a race to go.
2: <laughs> he's the only man on the track except for his car. That's a good one. Obviously, we're looking at
0: these things and it is fun um, to remember them. Um, and, and you can just imagine his tone of voice when he's saying these things. Uh, absolutely brilliant. A great commentator, uh, really encapsulated everything that was uh, Formula One uh, and introduced people to the sport from 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, when the, st- when the sport started. Uh, he transcended generations and generations of Formula One fans. What are your thoughts on uh, Murray Walker's death, James?
4: I think on my own Facebook, I kind of summed it up as as well as I possibly could. And I said, I think if you spoke to any motorsport fan, um, when the news broke, I think everybody would probably have felt like they'd all lost a family member. Um, I think he was like that. He wasn't, he was like Uncle Murray kind of thing. You know what I mean? He was, everybody... Everybody who knew and loved mo or knows and loves motorsport, sport, if you ask who's the best commentator ever, it's Murray Walker, it's as simple as that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, I I I'm not even ashamed to say when my dad came up, I was I was actually playing on my computer at the time and dad came because we'd been watching um, Sky Sports earlier in the day and it was the, the classic race. I think it was it was the, the Mansell PK battle at Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Um and Murray Walker was commentating and Dad, Dad came up and he was like, I, I think we were meant to watch that earlier. And like, I, I, did, I didn't understand what he was saying at first. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I was like, oh, no, what? No. And I just burst into tears. I'm not even ashamed to, to say it because it's like, I, I, like I say, I, th- I think from my point of view, and I think a lot of people will relate, it feels like you've lost a family member because he was just, you know, he, he, he bought the sport to so many people and he made so many people fall in love with the sport because of his commentary. Absolutely. He made, he made a, you know, he made a, um, a, a sport magical, basically, you know, is the, the way that he commented and he could just, you know, he could just go from excitement to, Utter despair and he it, you know with Senna's death he dealt with it perfectly. There was no there is nobody else in in motorsport in commentary that I think has ever been able to do that and probably never will. But yeah, um I'm, I'm yeah, devastated, I think is the word to be honest.
0: Yeah, we were talking about obviously at the time he he's he had lots of um quirks about his commentating style and obviously he he made mistakes because he was his brain was probably uh, slower than his lips basically he, he was he was always very quick with with his, with the words and, and and his brain caught up a few seconds later um and, yeah.
4: and, he, and he, i mean there's been there's been videos haven't there of him in the commentary box where he's like you know he's so excited yeah and he'll be swaying backwards and forwards you know martin Brundle will have been in there and you know he'll, he'll he'll see something and even though they've both got microphones, he'll put his arm on Martin's shoulder and he'll be like, I need to talk. I need to say something. I need to, I need to do it mm. now. And Martin, Martin will just like straight away you'll stop, and, you know, Murray will be in there with his, you know, his unique style. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, it really hit me to be honest with
0: you. Yeah. It, it's sad, but he, he had a great life. And he, he was was great, as you say, he was like a family, family member to a lot of people. Um, and he reached to a great age of 97. So we should be proud and he should be proud of that. Um, and we should be really happy that we, we got to experience his unique style, as you say. Um, have you got a favourite favorite Murrayism uh, from, from uh, Murray Walker at all? Have you, have you got a, a favourite uh, time from listening to him in the past? I know obviously you, you, you were... You were listening and watching Formula One all the way through, uh, through your life. Um, so you, you obviously watch from the '80s up into, you know, now. So you would experience a lot of I Murray Walker. I think there's
4: out. two. There, there's two. There's probably one. One favorite in a humorous sense was the time where he interviewed uh, Mansell after he got that bump on his face, <laughs> and he went to point to his face, and literally <laughs> just poked <laughs> him in. Yeah, yeah, he goes, Oh, well, was, be was,
0: careful with your hat. And then he take took takes his hat off and he just pokes him yeah, straight in so, the butt. Oh, sorry.
4: <laughs> um so that that's probably my, my favourite funny one. Uh, I think that's the thing that always sticks in my head is when when Senna died. I think that, that race mm-hmm. and like I say, the way that he dealt with it, he knew he knew what was happening. Um
0: yeah, because he was think- he was in F one for you know, a number of deaths, a number of these experiences. He he, he would have known and experienced those things before. So unfortunately,
4: yeah. Because I, th- I mean, don't forget, before the Senna death, there hadn't been a death in in the sport for something like was it twelve years or something like mm. that prior to Senna dying. Yeah, but I think I think like you say, the fact that. Murray had been there since '49 or '48, was it, or something like that. He'd seen people come and go, like you know, like a merry-go-round, uh-huh. and he, you know, he'd seen people die in front of his eyes in terms of commentating. Um, and I, 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 I just think he knew that there was something different about that that particular accident. Obviously, Ratzenberger died the, the the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he knew that the writing was on the wall from the first moment. To be honest, and I think you you you'd know that from the the um the change of the tone in his voice straight away
0: absolutely yeah but professional to the core um completely controlled the situation and you know obviously what happened happened um yeah. but he there was no one else that could have dealt with it better than him um he, you know ever the professional um and the one that sticks in my mind is probably the the season I really kind of took interest in formula one obviously it was always on in the background i've said this before on on other podcasts and uh chats and whatnot f1 has always been on in the background in my house since i was born um but the the season where damon hill won his championship will forever really be the first season that i really took notice i was like yes british formula one champion i'm going to be able to see one in my lifetime and it kind of every race it would get better and better and i just watch uh, until the end and I you know the, those famous lines as Damon Hill crossed the line um, it will go down in in it will just go down in history as, as probably the most emotional uh commentating commentary um that I've ever heard because I think I was crying at the time myself Uh you know you really felt that he was part of um part of Damon Hill's uh, yeah. life which he, he would have been because he commented on his father's you know, racing and racecraft. He would have come and, uh, yeah, would have yeah. known the family throughout the whole of, you know, the, the death of, uh, of Graham Hill. Um, and obviously it, it would have been, an, he would have come, uh, have a hat. he would have been overcome with emotion. Uh, and just like us, we, we kind of got carried away with him as well, with that emotion and probably all had a tear in our eye when we saw Damon Hill cross the line. Uh, and we'll play the famous words to end this, uh, this segment um, of the podcast because it is, to me, the epitome of uh, great commentary Um, uh, and it's just brilliant. This is something that many people didn't think could possibly happen today. They thought Damon would drive a cautious race, but he fought. He fought from second on the grid. He passed Jack mille He took the lead. He stayed there. And Damon Hill exits the chicane and wins the Japanese Grand Prix. And I've got to stop
4: because I've got a lump in my throat.
0: Now, unfortunately, in the motorsport world, we've also lost another great. She was one of Top Gear's presenters in recent years. Uh, she was also helped out with the original three of Jeremy Clarkson, and Hammond and May, uh, in several of their segments on the show when they were part of Top Gear. Uh, and let's not forget her great motorsport achievements. Uh, and the fact that she's probably done around about 30,000 laps around the Nordschleife in the Nürburgring, the green death or the green hell, sorry. She's always smiling, and that's Sabine Schmitz. Now, this hit me quite hard, actually, because she's only 51 years old uh, in comparison to, you know, the great Murray Walker, who was 97. Um, So she had loads more to give, uh, I feel, Um, and she was you know a fighter to the end she'd been fighting cancer for 3 years apparently um but sadly it took her life on the 16th of march sad sad times for in the motorsport world what have you what's your thoughts on on the death of sabine uh, danny yeah very sad
3: yeah um, i mean straight away you, you think of her and you you see the smiling face uh-huh. you know that's that's the um yeah, that that's what hits you first, isn't it? When somebody's so smiley, so cheery, so happy. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mainly um, remember her from uh, Top Gear, uh, going around the Nurburgring in the in the van, the trans- <laughs> transit van. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: and ne- nearly beating um, uh, Clarkson um, in a. Um, he was in a Jaguar S-Type, I think it was, and, and she said, I, I can beat your time in a van. And they went, go on then. And then she very nearly did. <laughs> and then and then she went in the S-Type afterwards and then did beat him yeah. by far. Yeah, but pretty much beat him in the transit van, really. Um, yeah, but but yeah, very sad. Yeah, as, as you say,
0: 51, it's no age, is No, not at all. Uh, yeah, in, in that in that um, programme, obviously... Clarkson had gone around the Nordschleife probably you know a hundred times trying to beat the 10 minute mark uh, in the car um that was his target I think it was and she did it did it pretty much immediately um yeah. so yeah it it shows her skill behind the wheel that she could do it almost in a van as you say uh, but definitely in the in the jag um but she was she was a regular there she was she helped them the the Nürburgring kind of show people around the the Nordschleife. Um, she gave rides to people. She is the person with the most laps under her belt. There's no one else that has done so, as many laps uh, around the Nordschleife as her. So she really was the queen of the Nürburgring and she was fantastic as well. Let's not forget her sporting achievements as well. Sabine was the overall winner in 1996 and 1997 for BMW uh, for the 24 hour Nürburgring race which is just fantastic, you know? um, 24 hours of racing in a team, and she was the the overall winner of it. Um, She's had other great touring car championship results. She's just got a great career behind her. Um, She was just very fast, a very fast woman. She was very fun uh, to watch on top gear, uh, and she had a great character and great personality. And I think she will be absolutely missed within the motorsport community. Have you got anything to add to this, uh, James? Not a lot. I think
4: Danny kind
0: of summed it up really well, to be honest with
4: you. I think I think my my biggest memory is exactly the same thing. Um, it was very, very sad to have lost her so mm-hmm. so young, really.
0: Absolutely. How about you, Adam? Any, anything to add about Sabine?
2: Uh, no. I think it's just you could see um, she was never happiest than behind the wheel of a really fast car. Yeah, you could see that, you know, how much she enjoyed just driving and driving really, Uh really, 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 really fast. (laughs) That's all she wanted to do.
0: She's really motivated by speed, motivated by being in all these different cars. She was the Stig once as well, I think, um, which is an interesting uh, point. She was the Stig at one point. Yeah. And they, so they must highly regard her, the BBC. Uh, to to bring her in for these sorts of situations and she was very highly regarded uh, in the motorsport world so she will be sadly missed Um, so rest in peace Sabine Smith so let's move on to testing obviously we've just had testing uh, three days over in Bahrain um, and we've had a mixed bag really Um, what what did you take from testing Danny?
3: Mercedes didn't do much Um, yeah really (laughs) yeah it's uh the sandbagging.
0: Right, okay.
3: <laughs> sandbagging, yeah. Are, are they, aren't they, issues, aren't they? Yeah, who knows? Everybody, nothing. They've got nothing wrong, and they're just playing us all. That's what's happening. Yeah, look at us. Who are Mercedes? Look, we can't get our car sorted. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we'll see. They're just, teaz- they're just teasing us, getting us uh, excited that there might be a, a bit of a closer battle this year. And then <laughs> yeah. on qualifying day... Uh, next weekend, they'll pump in two five second faster than everything, uh, Two laps, five, five seconds faster than uh, the rest of the field. Then we'll all go. Uh.
3: Yeah, well, <laughs> well, Bottas says he's going to do an eco. So we'll see. He was talking to Ted. He said he's going to do a Nico, And oh, Ted sort of said, well, fully. Oh, he said, no, 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 not all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's going to throw a cap at him. And yeah, uh, we'll
3: see how that goes. Driving him off the road. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting.
0: <laughs> well, you were shaking your head there, Adam. Um, you you don't you don't agree. You think you think uh, Mercedes
2: aren't sandbag- sandbagging as much as people are thinking. You thinking Red Bull are going to be strong? I, I don't know. I could definitely see they had issues in testing. Um, definitely on low fuel the car wasn't comfortable at all. You could see uh-huh. even in the body language of the car, you could see it wasn't completely settled. And was really right. struggling to heat up the tires and get yeah. the tires in the right window um, for a quick lap. You could see, um, especially in the last day when Hamilton, Hamilton was trying to get, um, you know, to start a, a hot lap, he really uh-huh. struggled to get the car in the right place. They even spun, yeah. uh, you know, coming around the last corner. Um, very, very unlike Hamilton yeah. to spin. Very unlike uh, Hamilton it, spin. And twice. it's very unlikely for um, you know Mercedes to be to look this um, sort of uh, unsettled during testing. Usually mm-hmm. they're pretty well sorted for testing. I think as some people have said, um, with the reduction in um, spending, and as well with Mercedes not doing a um, a filming day before mm-hmm. testing, I think it really caught them out uh, with being you know prepared. For testing, so I think they're just a bit behind the ball, um, going into testing. So we'll see what they can come up with between now and the first race. So if they're, they're are... uns- if they're unsettled
0: in the car, um uh, and it, it, it's obviously something to do with the balance of the car or something they've added yeah. to the car, I think it, it won't think... take them it won't take them long to sort that out, will it? You know, they're, they're Mercedes. Well, at the end of I don't the day. know
2: because I think it's to do with the the loss of downforce at the rear. So the, the FIA have taken off 10% of rear downforce. Right. It seems to be, um, has affected some teams worse than others, especially teams like Mercedes, who really um, focus on rear downforce yeah. in the last couple of years. So to remove that 10%, it seems to have unbalanced the car, mm-hmm. especially in, the, in uh, low fuel. You can see on high fuel, there were, you know, still Mercedes are still really quick. But as soon as you took the fuel out and the balance obviously shifted on the car, yeah. Um you could see there that they were so struggling to find that right balance. Yeah. Whether they still have that issue in two weeks' time, we'll have to wait and see. Have you got anything to add to that? Sponge?
4: Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a season where Mercedes have been caught on the hop. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was you who said a few weeks ago on our podcast. It's usually the last season of a set of rules that kind of throws up the best, um, the best like championship year. Mm-hmm. And I think if. If testing's anything to go by, it's certainly going to follow that trend. Um, I, I've been of the opinion for quite a long time that Mercedes like to create their own drama to keep people interested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you know when you hear them going around, it's like yeah, you know, we, we we're managing a problem. It's like yeah, you're managing a problem three seconds a lot quicker than anybody else. Don't <laughs> give me that crap. You know, what I mean that that kind of thing. It's like you know, pull the other
0: one. We're not quite one hundred percent. Everyone else is performing yeah. at seventy five percent, but yeah. we're not quite one hundred. We're it. only ninety seven percent this this race.
4: Yeah, but I think I think with with exactly um, what Adam said before, the fact that they didn't do that filming day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really think that you can. I don't really think that you can claim that there's a team out there that would be sandbagging with only three days of testing this season. Yeah, I, I really don't think any of them would be daft enough to do that. I think, you know, if if you're in the garage for best part of a day mm-hmm. out of three days of testing, getting rid of nearly a third of that testing time straight away. I think you can genuinely say actually yeah they had a problem they're not they're not trying to trying to um create their own drama on this one they really actually have and I think if that's the case then I'm sure I'm sure they've got enough people there to figure it out but certainly for the first half of the season maybe it'll, it'll attract a, a much higher contest
0: so are you saying I'm going to have to change my fantasy uh, F1 league uh, team cuz I've got <laughs> I've got Lewis, Hamilton and Mercedes. Am I going to have to shift it over to Max and Red Bull? Judy?
4: No, in the interests of absolutely everybody else in the competition, do not change a thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, the, the other thing was, uh, as <clears throat> well, as uh, Sponge was saying, the Mercedes and Aston Martin had the lowest lap count of all the teams in mm-hmm. the three days. And you could see it wasn't just they weren't running, you know, weren't running for the sake of it. They were the car was either you know not working or you know was getting fixed. So they yeah, had they had a gearbox had issue, didn't issues. they? They had gearbox yeah, both, issues on the first both day. Teams, yeah, both teams had a gearbox issue, which is funny because the only team, uh, well, one of the teams that doesn't use the Mercedes gearbox was is McLaren, mm-hmm. and they're one of the you know one of the four Mercedes teams that didn't have an issue with the gearbox. So it seems to be a problem with the actual Mercedes gearbox. That's supplied to Aston Martin. Mm. Again, that could be down to not having that um, 100 kilometers of running before the test. Yeah, sure, absolutely.
0: They could have added something different this year. That's uh, that's just not playing ball. It's not, not not you know not actually working for the car. And they might even take it off and to go back to last year's at, at some point if if it continues to do so. Um, I'm sure. I problem. have an
4: interesting thought slash question for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: The fact that Mercedes designed their car intentionally for a car that leads the pack. Yeah. If they're caught on the hop and they're not quite up to speed at the start of the season, do we see them being second and third or third and fourth? Or do we see them actually struggling that much that they kind of get swallowed up a little bit by the rest of the pack? Because of uh, the fact that the car, their car can't um, follow, their car can't follow as easy. Mm-hmm. Do they then, once they're behind, say for example the Red Bulls? Yeah. Do they then get kind of swallowed back into the pack if Red Bull aren't? What I'm saying is, if the gap between Red Bull and the rest of the pack isn't that great,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and Mercedes find themselves in that gap, does that bunch the whole field back up together? you know, I mean, from our point of view as fans, that, that could lead to, who, who knows, it could lead to, you know, ridiculous podiums like we saw at Monza last year kind of thing. Yes, so, please. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, Bring
2: it on. Yeah, I don't think, I think there's a possibility that Red Bull, you know, will be in front, especially in the, in the first race. But I don't think Mercedes is going to be that far behind that they're going to be, you know, fighting with the midfield. Mm. You know, I think there's still enough of a gap between the top two, three teams and the rest, that it won't really be that much of a problem for Mercedes?
0: No, I, I, I still think it's between Red Bull and Mercedes. I, I do think, <clears throat> because I don't think the, the rules have changed so much that it's going to impact on Mercedes too much. I, I think Mercedes are still going to clinch the title personally. This is my own personal opinion. Um, I'm a, a, a McLaren fan, a, a, you know, Uh, not so secretly i'm I'm wearing a bright orange t-shirt now because of uh, of i'm being a mclaren fan so i'd love to see them up there fighting with the top step for the top step uh and you know performing brilliantly throughout the whole season Um, and i really do see that they will get some great points um and i can see them as a solidifying their third place in the championship and hopefully fingers crossed they do even better um, but I don't see... Yeah,
2: they looked really strong.
0: Yeah, I don't. I, but I don't see the Mercedes being knocked off their perch just yet. No. What else did we get from the testing? Uh, any other teams that really caught your eye? Um, there you go. We may as well go to you, Adam.
2: Um, well, yeah, McLaren. Um, okay, yeah. They were really strong. They were usually the first team out mm-hmm. on track for each session. Um, I think they topped... I think two of the sessions, I think Ricardo uh, yeah. was fastest of two of his three sessions. Mm-hmm. Um they weren't going, you know, to do the most laps, they weren't going out to do the fastest time. They had their plan, they completed their plan. Yeah. You know, they could see, you know, they were testing a of different parts. They were back to back testing lots of different parts. So mm-hmm. they were going through their program and they had no issues at all, as far as I could see. There are no mechanical issues, and um, you, do you think Ricardo's settled into the team perfectly well, and he's
0: is there to to do business, and he will achieve the 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 thing that he wants to achieve while he's at the team?
2: Yeah, I think he looked comfortable straight away. on you know his first lap um, out on track. You know, there was no you know out breaking himself. There's no going wide. Uh-huh. You know, he was just. I think then self because the McLaren is a very compliant car a very well balanced car mm. you know it's it's easy to sort of get comfortable with It's um, one thing
0: they're always very good at is, is designing a car with with great balance it's just they haven't had the engines over the previous years so now they've got an engine um and they're, they're they're one of the best designers in aero parts um that you can have on the grid um so hopefully with the combination of of all the all the rest of the stuff that goes on the car and the mercedes engine um something that they're you know they've been Probably missing, um, we're well, def- yeah. definitely missing over over recent years. Um, I, yeah, I I, I saw, see them being a force to reckon with.
2: Yeah, I saw an article uh, with uh, Ricardo. And he said about the diff- biggest difference between for him between the teams that he's been with is breaking. Okay, you know, going from the Red Bull to the Renault took one of the biggest things was finding the right breaking for him. Right, and that's what took him the longest was finding that right. Um, balance with the braking and he says you know once he finds that with the McLaren then he'd really be able to sort of push the car
0: yeah absolutely how about you Sponge you're a, you're a fellow McLaren fan yourself fellow papaya wearer um, what, what do you think uh, about McLaren's chances this year
4: um, I think it all rests on Ferrari to be perfectly honest with you I think like you've already said Red Bull are looking strong as they always are Um Mercedes will be there or thereabouts. Whether it takes them a couple of races to get there, then you know we don't know. But I think the, the I think McLaren have got the potential to be that that team that Red Bull were. You know that team that are kind of lurking where they're not necessarily leading the race, but if something happens, they're always there ready to pounce and get a podium or a win or you know something. You know if something happens, they're there. I do I genuinely do think that McLaren are poised to be that that kind of you know outlier that can do that, but it all depends on what happens with the Ferrari. Are they gonna do another Liverpool and promise so much and deliver so little again? Or are <laughs> they actually gonna are they actually gonna bring it back to the top? I, I honestly can't see them getting so close to the top so quickly. I really can't. Not for a team that has gone through so many personnel had so many changes and wasted so much money over the last five or 10 years. Mm. I, I genuinely can't see them getting straight back up to
0: the top. But but it'd be I great mean, to see, see them see. swallowing up as many points as possible to, 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 you know, solidify that third place, wouldn't it?
4: Yes, absolutely. I, I really do think that McLaren have got an exciting um, season ahead. I, I'm, I mean, you, you all know I'm a massive McLaren fan. Um, uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to see them back up on the podium regularly? Yeah. You know, the, they've got a the, lineup that the, can the, do it as
0: well, haven't they? They've got a lineup. up yeah, Daniel Ricardo's proven race winner. Uh, Lando Norris came yeah. third in the opening race uh, last year, 2020. So we know they've got the talent behind the wheel. That We know they've got the talent designing the cars. They've now got what is their best engine uh, in, the, in, in the back yeah. of the car. There's all, all the right things are there in place. Um, you forgot one thing as well, Tiller. What's that? they've got scenario seven <laughs> no they're not allowed <laughs> to use engine modes now they're not allowed to use different engine modes Aww. no that was banned banned middle of last year scenario no scenario seven you got anything to add to this danny
3: well it's all been said really hasn't it i think yeah they're uh, <clears throat> looking great yeah i think they've got a solid Good. third place uh, coming um it's it's a shame i, I suppose as Sponge said, it depends on, on Ferrari. I think people are, are just automatically assuming they're going to do as bad as they, are, they did last year. Um, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think they are the great unknown this year. Uh, well,
0: let's, let's talk about Ferrari then. They, they, they've released a great new livery. <laughs> See, I'm saying it right this time. They've released a, a great new livery. Uh, and there seems to be a lot of different parts on that car too. Um, and the engine also seems to have a bit more uh, power to it. Um, what what did you pick up from the testing three days um in Bahrain for Ferrari, Adam?
2: Um, it was hard to tell. Sometimes it looked like they were, you know, all right. You know, same as last year. And sometimes, you know, they'd pump in a, a fast stop out of nowhere and you'd be like, oh, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. The rest of the time you'd be nowhere. So it was it was hard to tell exactly. Where they were the were they for they could either be at the front of the of the midfield or at the back of the midfield it was just so hard to tell is is there an improvement on that engine it's hard to tell because so much of the midfield uses the Ferrari engine so they all you know yeah. will all move forward so it's hard to tell because there's no way to tell them apart really Because no benchmark at the moment you know, if, if one improves all three improves so you can't really see if they've improved. Um, Especially when you've got other teams like um, the AlphaTauri that seem to have improved a lot um, with Mm -hmm. basically using last year's Red Bull. Um, And (laughs) Alpine. Alpine seems to be around about where they were last year. They don't seem to have gained too much but they haven't fallen back. And Williams seems to be a way bit closer to the midfield, but I don't know if they're that much closer. Um, and obviously, Haas, basically of last year's car, seems to be the slowest. So it, yeah, absolutely. With the whole field sort of all moving forward, it's hard to see where Ferrari are because everyone's moved forward. So as you know, as much as they may have improved themselves, everyone else right. has improved as well. So. It's over sort of minus some game, you know. They've improved everyone yeah. else, so they haven't really improved at all.
0: Yeah, so it it really is. It's it's one of those things. It is it exciting to watch testing now because they're you know they, there's a lot of sandbagging going on, but there's lots of unknowns. How much fuel is in the car? You know, have are they putting putting the engine in the full full speed mode or whatever, or are they do qualifying modes or or, or race mode? Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult to tell. Yeah. I, I can see what you're saying. You can certainly um, tell.
2: You can tell when when somebody's you know on it because they're yeah. really throwing the car around. You can tell when they're just doing uh, you know a long run and they've got a lot of fuel mm-hmm. in the car. You can tell those. You know, when they're really low, when they're really full, you can tell the difference. But in between, it could be anything.
0: Yeah. How, how did how did Carlos have settled into the team?
2: Um, yeah. I think it's he had a couple of wee moments of you know uh, late breaking, you know missing corners, apex and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he seemed to be settling in okay in the Ferrari. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think he's regretting his move to Ferrari, or do you think the 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 thrill of the being in the uh, the the red prancing yeah. horses think, it overtakes any kind of regret?
2: Yeah, I think anyone that's had the call up from. Um Ferrari. Look at um was it Fisichella Give up uh, Yeah. a, a full time drive to drive half yeah. a season in the mm-hmm. Ferrari and you know it's Ferrari. You can't say no to Ferrari. You can always say for the rest of your life, I was a Ferrari driver. So Yeah, true. Why would you Very why true. would you say no to that?
0: Sponge, your dad is a massive Ferrari fan. Um he works on works on Ferrari road cars. Um, because he's such a Ferrari fan. Um, do, do you think he's he's looking forward to the season ahead? Do you think he's going to have a bit of enjoyment watching these races this year? He,
4: he's, he's beautifully British about everything at the moment. <laughs> he's, he's a West Brom fan and a Ferrari fan. There's not much going for him right now. <laughs> so I think it's a, a wait and see. Um, mm-hmm. We were both sat down watching the first day of testing last Friday. Yeah. Um, watching the sandstorm that was like ensuing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he was more concerned about all the team's engines. He was like, they can't run in that. It's going to knack the engines up. <laughs> um, yeah. He, d- he doesn't necessarily say so much about it until things start, you know, they get going and then he, he can get a, a good idea on what's actually happening. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the same, isn't it? You know, we can all sit here and say what we think, but until they until they get into the first qualifying session, you're not going to have any idea as to who's doing what really. Um, so, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I know, I know, he wants them to do well, um, but whether they whether they will do well is a completely different thing. If it's anything to do with the, if it's anything like the football that we've had to endure this season, <laughs> then they'll be, they'll be. There'll be uh, fighting Williams at the back.
0: Coops, have you got anything to add about Ferrari?
1: Uh, I'm not 100% sure on them. Ferrari and Aston Martin are the two, probably the two unknown quantities. They never got enough done. The, the car itself looks okay, but everybody else has progressed where they haven't. So, or they have, but, the progression from everybody else around them means that the amount they've got to progress wouldn't seem as much. So I don't think they're going to come back as the third best team.
2: No, absolutely not.
1: I think they'll still be there or thereabouts. There might be a couple more visits to the top
0: ten, but not much more. How about you, you, Danny? Do you think you'll see a Ferrari in the points a bit more this season?
3: Uh, Well, as I say, um, people seem to be... Assuming
0: they'll do the same as
3: next year, really, but I, I haven't seen anything to tell me whether they will or they won't. Really, uh, it's it's yeah, I haven't I haven't seen much promise, but I haven't seen much issues really. It's a strange one, so I'm not I'm not too sure what to expect from them really. Um, it seems. It seems they've got they've got a good pairing there with with mm-hmm. um, Leclerc and Sainz. Um, whether sins can settle in quickly or not. Um, again, that wasn't, He's uncomfortable in the car, but it's a lot to get used to, of course. So it's, um, yeah, it's different because, I mean, I always see um, a team like McLaren as quite a family, uh, whereas a team like yeah, Ferrari yeah. is quite a business, if that makes sense. So,
0: it's very strict as well it's very you are expected to perform aren't you you know you know it's it's not like oh yeah come on brother you you just do what you can and we'll we'll, yeah, sit, we'll, well, we'll got sort got it out the, at the Italian end Italian
3: media on your shoulder haven't you they're expecting you to do yeah.
0: perfect perfect I mean they've had
3: years of not perfect so I don't I'm not quite sure why i are still expecting that but uh yeah they, <laughs> they, they want perfect so it's uh yeah going from McLaren I think to Ferrari is going to be a bit of a a bit of a struggle um, personally for him uh, because Mm -hmm. I I certainly know you can tell by the way Ricardo's settled in, you know, he's been at, he's been at Red Bull and again, Red Bull is a team that I see more as a business than a family. Um, you know, and, and, and to be there again, perfection, you know, you really need to do well here. Whereas McLaren seems more of a family seems more of a warm, warmer place to be. So, yeah, I think it. I don't think you can
0: dislike McLaren. No, no, I, I, Nobody Does I yeah, I, I I've never trusted I don't think. I don't think it's one of those teams that people go. I really don't like McLaren. It's not. It just doesn't happen, does it? No, it is.
3: It is no. just a family, isn't it? It it really is just a family. Yeah. So it's like Williams, you know. The the don't. Yeah. The, you know, Williams aren't doing great, but nobody dislikes Williams. <laughs> you know. Uh, obviously, it's not quite the family family business now, but you know, it always was, and it always will be seen to be. To be Williams,
2: you know, so it's well, that's what um, people are usually fans of McLaren rather than fans of McLaren's drivers. So I think that's the difference. I, I think, think a lot of people are fans of Ferrari drivers, and not so much Ferrari. The same with Williams, people are Williams fans, but not Williams drivers fans. So I think yeah, that, that's I think the
3: it's slight like with McLaren, it's slightly diff- different at the minute because of Lando. Um, I think a lot more younger younger fans are getting involved because of Lando and the Lando fans, and are such McLaren fans. Um, but yeah, it is yeah. You, uh, as sponges. You know, you're a diehard McLaren fan, uh, and that doesn't change. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a mm. you're a team fan rather than a driver fan. Yeah, but at the minute I think it's a lot of they get a lot of younger following. Um, same with uh, with. Dan.
0: Which is going to be, which is going to be great for the sport because we need new generations. We need younger generations tuning in. Um, they're they're going to be hopefully introducing things that are going to keep those those fans on board. Um, you know, long into bringing new drivers in as well. You know, it's it, it, it's the, it's about the future generation of fans, um, and hopefully we'll have more like Lando, who you know go onto social media, use social media as, as a platform to kind of reach out and and actually include the fans. Uh, within everything
3: that they do. So I've got a question for you all on the subject of McLaren. Um, obviously, we've got Danny Rick um, there now. Uh, Lando did very well last year,
2: but who's going to score the more points out of the two of them? Do we think? Um, I think Danny. I think he's got that. Um, he's got that experience and that killer instinct. I think um, to put the car where it needs to be. It's like you know, like Alonso would have uh, back in the day. Um, I think Lando's still got a bit of development to do um, to mm-hmm. get to that point. I think if Danny's comfortable with the cars through the way, he'll be there scoring points every weekend. So um, I think uh, Lando really needs to up his game this year.
0: Yeah, and I we had a similar kind of conversation in the last uh, podcast um, about who we thought might perform better um, and I actually said at the time that Lando would uh, would be the the victor of the two, be, just because of his experience with the team specifically, uh, and the relationship that he has with the team. And you know they they kind of they love him. That you know he he is a McLaren boy. He has been a McLaren boy for a number of years, even before obviously actually joining the team as them as their driver, um, you know test driver and whatnot um, in their drive young driver program and what. All, all these different things. He's been connected to McLaren for, for years. Um, but seeing, obviously, the, the, the results from testing, and obviously we, we can never take testing as, you know, concrete evidence that one is better than the other, but seeing how comfortable Danny did look within the team, uh, how he just settled in straight away and, and he, he was topping the sessions, uh, it's very hard to look past that. Um, so, yeah, I am switching sides now. I, I love Lando, um, but I'm switching switching teams to uh to Daniel Ricciardo because I think he will probably outscore Lando this year. How about you, Sponge? What are your thoughts?
4: I think it's gonna be really close. Um I think it's gonna be a tale of two halves of the season. I think Yeah. You were you, you were all talking earlier about Danny Rick said it he it took him a little while to get up to speed with the Renault, and I think he's gonna be in a bit of the same situation trying to get up to speed with the McLaren. So I can see I can see Lando going off in front a little bit in the first half of the season. But I think as the season goes on, Danny Rick's probably going to shine through. Um, as long as they both keep finishing, I don't really mind. But I I, I, I want it to be Lando. I think it will be Danny Rick at the end of the season.
3: So do you think um, we're going to see some more Danny Rick versus Max Verstappen? different cars now but do you think that's going to be the, the McLaren are going to be in that position to be able to battle Max
0: I hope so yeah hopefully I really hope yeah. so I really hope so you know uh, Max's inconsistency I, I'm hoping will be something that the McLarens can take advantage of um, obviously Max is a brilliant racer he, you know there's no there's no doubt about it but he just is not consistent and that's what's hit that's his downfall throughout previous seasons um that's why it's been close between him and Bottas and you know there's always been those kind of that that kind of inconsistency so I'm hoping that with any remaining inconsistencies from Max that Lando and Ricciardo can kind of take it to them and and sneak some points off them and I I can see them you know I can see it being close for that second place how about you Sponge
4: I think it's going to be close. I don't. I don't know who's going to end up where. I do think it'll be close. I, I really do. Uh, I. I. Yeah. I hope that it doesn't turn out. Was it four or five seasons ago where uh, Ferrari and Mercedes were really, really close for half a season, and then all of a sudden Ferrari kind of went backwards and Mercedes just ran off with it in the end. Um. I hope it's not like hmm. that. I hope we get a, a good challenge all the way through. Um. But I. I genuinely. If Mercedes don't um, go off with it like they usually do, I can genuinely see a four-way battle up the top every race.
0: Brilliant, let's hope so. Anyway, let's move on from McLaren because we've, we've dedicated a lot of time to them. I think it's obviously because we're we're big fans of them, which is great. It's exciting, but there are you know nine other teams on the grid. Uh, so let's talk about Alpha AlphaTauri, who actually performed great uh, within the test. Uh, and Quite importantly, actually, Yuki Tsunoda has turned off and he has fired in some rapid laps. Um, we have subsequently learned that he was using the go, the Go Faster button pretty much the whole way he around the lap. Jeremy
3: Clarkson, oh. power, power,
0: power, <laughs> power. <laughs> power. I can use the power. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably just a confidence booster thing, but he's been pressing the button and he's he, he pumped in some great laps towards the uh, the last part, latter part of the testing. Have you got an opinion on Yuki Tsunoda, Adam?
2: Um, yeah, he seemed to uh, be on the ball straight away. Um, out, you know, getting the laps in. He did plenty of you know uh, laps around the track, getting used to the car, getting used to the team, getting used to how it all works. And there is there was a lot of talk, you know, come in the season how you know he's been very impressive. He's had a very short career. Up to this point, he hasn't had as much single-seater experience as some of the other uh, mm-hmm. drivers, but he seems to have come in straight straight away and really been quite fast, other than the using the go faster button. <laughs> so he's definitely been very impressive in testing, um, as well as Gazi. Uh, Pierre Gazi has been very strong in testing as well. Um, he's been right up there.
0: Pierre Gasly is really comfortable with the team. He was there, obviously there when he was Toro Rosso uh, coming up through the ranks of the Red Bull Driver Academy. He obviously had his visit to the top team uh, with, with Red Bull and then got demoted back down. Um, but I think that's probably the best place for him. You know, he was, he's more comfortable there. There's less pressure there for him to win. Um, obviously, there is pressure for him to, to, uh, to score as, much, as many points as possible. Um, but he just seems a lot more comfortable uh, and he, he's able to perform to a much better standard. Um, without that pressure. Um, you, you, are you a Gasly fan this year, Danny? Are you going to be cheering oh, him on? You're going to want, do you want to see him on the top yeah, step? Yeah, I
3: like Gasly. Yeah, he's a great driver. Um, obviously, the the knockback from Red Bull was the issue uh, for a little bit, I think. Uh, it's certainly a, a, mm-hmm. a confidence knock, isn't it? That, um, But luckily, he fell on his feet, really. He's in a good position. Uh, did very well last year. Yeah, um, and Yuki as well. You know, even if you take away the um, the speed, I think he looked very comfortable uh, in the car. You know, he handled it very well. Didn't really. I know he had that one spin. Uh, I think I think yeah. uh, Martin Brundle had to change his pants after that. He certainly jumped because he was in the wrong position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, even taking away the speed, uh, you know, um, he was. Very comfortable in that car, and I c- you can see the determination, and you can see that he is a good driver. You know, so it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how well Gasly does because of last year and how much he progressed, and the confidence has come back. But also, I'm excited to see how well Yuki does, really. Um, yeah, he, he's either going to do very well or throw himself into it and end up in the wall. Um, uh, yeah, like Albon throwing himself into every situation he could. <laughs> it didn't really work out. You can be overconfident sometimes. And if you don't have the um, abilities to pull it off, you, you end yeah. up coming off the worst, which we saw
0: with Alvon, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, could end up going backwards. Yeah. So, Coops, have you got anything to take away that we should take away from the testing? Have you got anything, that, any interesting points that you make, want to make sure we, we touch upon uh, before we finish the section?
1: Well, I think the biggest one which is an appropriate choice of words, is Alpine. Uh, okay. the, the cars came out pretty thick. Uh, yeah. That that airbox uh, design is... Baby got back. It's baby, yeah, yeah. I like big butts. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, they're the only team that have turned up at testing with this kind of bulbous airbox. Air intake, isn't it? Is it an air, the air intake? Yeah, it's the kind of basically everything from behind the air intakes quite fat, and they've done that on purpose. They've moved mm-hmm. a lot of stuff around from their engine down and raised it up because they want a thinner, a more tighter coke bottle rear end of the car and slightly smaller kind of uh, side pods. So because of that. They've decided that the air intake's going to be a lot
0: wider than other teams. It it does look strange though, doesn't it? We haven't seen anything like that for a, quite a while.
1: Yes, um, I think the I think it was it Ligier and like the teapot style Aligi from a number of years back was probably the biggest, the big massive uh, one. But other than that, no, we haven't. And I, I mean I've heard a few things that Alpine when they put the car and the design onto the dyno, a uh, the wind tunnel and stuff like that, the figures didn't make any, much of a difference. There wasn't any difference at all to having oh, okay. met such a big one to a smaller size, so they decided that it worked for them. Uh, although I did, read <laughs> a, I did read an article today that Alonso has said that the
0: Alpine is slow. Oh, OK. Uh, and nobody... So he's making friends again with uh, with his team. Uh,
1: Alonso is being Alonso.
0: Typ- uh, Typical answer. <laughs>
1: We've not got... We've not got the GP two coach yet, but he did say it will be a struggle for them to get into Q three. Uh, so that will be interesting to see. But I mean that that was quite an interesting thing to see when you noticed it, and when they the sit when Sky put the the cutaways from either side, you, you noticed it really quite
0: substantially different. So. They've got a good-looking car, the LP. All oh, the LPs um, the, the sexiest car on the grid. The, it looks great on the, the livery. Looks great on the uh, on the track. Um, but are they going to perform? Are they going to be where they were last year? Are they going to be fighting out for that third place? No. Um, when you've
1: got Ocon as your number two driver, you're not going to fight for anything.
0: Pretty, pretty uh, decisive there, Coops. So no, they're not going to be. They're not going to be anywhere. Let's move <laughs> along to the next team, Aston Martin. <laughs> How was the Aston Martin then? Oh no, it was in the garage for most of the weekend. <laughs> As just
2: like the road cars are here. T- t- actually, <laughs> actually it was more like Vettel was in the garage for most of the weekend. Oh that yeah. is 3 tinport tinport hat on the record.
0: That's all say so. <laughs> so is Vettel just doing what Vettel does and has done for the last few years, or is it just uh, teething problems?
1: Well, the gear, it was a gearbox issue, which affected the Mercedes as well as Aston Martin.
2: Yeah, although they said it was so a different they, issue than the Mercedes one.
1: Uh, uh, well, that, that might actually help with regards to the, uh, with the season, then, if the gearbox is generally just not reliable. Anyway, uh, and then I think the last day on the Sunday... Aston Martin tweeted out there was a boost problem, so that sounds like a turbo issue. Oh,
2: okay.
1: Uh, it just said boost, so I'm not sure if yeah, if it was it's turbo.
2: Stopped.
1: Yeah, so the, so the, you've got a turbo issue, you've got a gearbox issue. There was an electrical issue that they stopped at the end of the pit lane. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much you want to read into it. I mean, I think Vettel quoted he was about a hundred laps short, and they would like to have been for himself, mm-hmm. but. On the plus side of it, it's a good, nice-looking car. It looks oh, it's beautiful. Gorgeous. It looks great on the
0: track. I didn't get to watch lots of testing, um, but I, I tuned in on the first morning on the Friday uh, just to see what they, the cars look like. And it just it looks amazing. I, I, I really like the look of the car. At a distance, though, um, it
2: does look like a Mercedes. At a distance. If you see <laughs> it coming <laughs> towards you, you're like, is that Mercedes? Is that an Aston Martin? I can't tell.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. You've also, uh, the, and the other thing as well that's a positive is we've got Vettel in a Mercedes car, effectively. Uh, and the Mercedes cars usually have a more stable rear end, which suits Vettel's driving style. The SF1000 from last year, the rear end was horrible. Mm-hmm. And Vettel couldn't deal with it. So, and I think, as we probably all know, Formula One comes to a driver, So when Vettel won his four championships, the regulation suited his driving. The Red Bull was designed to suit his driving and everything worked for him. So he won it. Situation Formula One came to Jenson Button when Jenson Button won his his championship. Uh, the The reason why Hamilton is so special is he's probably the only one that transcends that rule. So. You know, you hope that Vettel now in a better environment, somewhere that's loved. He's got a good relationship with the Stroll family. He's actually close friends, we think, it's, with, with with Lawrence Stroll as well. So, mm. and the car's got a more stable rear. It's more like, more like he like, more what he likes.
0: In a car, yeah.
1: So we should hopefully get to see it coming closer to the front. But again, they're very much like Ferrari and. Not really Mercedes because Mercedes are different, but they're very much like Ferrari, and they're an unknown quantity. We don't know anything because it went out enough, so we didn't get to see proper race runs. We didn't get to see quali sims.
0: Are we going to see a good battle for that third place uh, like we did last year?
1: No, I think Mercedes, I think McLaren because they've they've managed to put a Mercedes engine into a Renault designed car, and it didn't break down. For three days of testing and <laughs> just go on with it. Yeah. Well,
2: they have and no experience got, with changing engines. That's true.
0: Yeah, um, Very true.
1: They don't have experience of changing engines and it actually being fast. That's uh, <laughs> true. So, but yeah, yeah, I think I think I think McLaren. If the progress stays the way it is that we're seeing in testing and with the driver lineup and Ricardo being who he is, I don't think it's going to be as close a fight for third. OK. But, again, I thought that I think that Williams are going to beat Hassan Alfa Romeo, so then with the animal,
0: <laughs> Is that prediction still standing? I know, yeah, uh, obviously, uh, you made this I'll prediction a there. few podcasts ago. I'm
1: slightly worried because I've heard a few things about Williams, which we'll come on to in a minute, but I've heard a couple of things about Williams and their philosophy for this season, which doesn't really make sense. Uh, OK, we'll-, well,
0: let's touch on, on Williams now because we've, we've, we've spoken, we've got a have got to get the podcast ended. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the Williams team then, if you've got something to say about them. Um, well, what, what, what have you heard?
1: Well, the first thing is that the livery isn't as bad as it looks. It looks like the default livery from a Formula One game on a PC or something. <laughs> uh, or project cars. But when you saw it live, it actually looks quite nice. Quite like, Yeah. Uh,
0: I like the front end of it. Side, I'm still not sure about
1: the rear. The side still, even when you see it, because there's actually a wee bit of touch of yellow through the side, which wasn't in the yeah. window. Um, uh, So it looks a bit nicer. But anyway, moving away from that, what I found out when I was reading stuff and watching tests and as Williams are preparing themselves, they've designed a car that is very, very sensitive to the wind. So it's peaky downforce. So if oh. the wind isn't optimal, then they're going to have a situation which
0: really doesn't make much sense. So, are you confident in your prediction about overtaking Alpha and Haas?
1: I'm not as confident. However, Williams have George Russell. You know, Haas have two unknown drivers. Now, Nikita Nikita Mazepin done all right over the three days. Didn't really do anything particularly bad as much as social media tried to make him out to be a demon because he apparently was laughing when Hamilton spun. But then... We'd ever see him. So so was so so, everyone else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> laugh. Christy uh, yeah. So, but he wasn't. Uh, and then somebody else tried to say that he almost crashed into the Alpha when he didn't. He was close by him, and he it was looked, a whip understeer, like, understeer or understeer, was it? and it just looked a bit weird because they were close on the track. But anyway, kind of digressing, But the volumes. I've got George Russell, but. Their, their philosophy to go down this route with a kind of peaky downforce. So, and the thing about having like this kind of really sensitive peaky downforce is that if you're in turbulent air, which the Williams will be because it will be behind another car mm-hmm. at the end of the season, that's just the same as having wind against it. Yeah, It's not blingy. And the other thing as well, the test and Sergio Perez lost part of his engine cover He was behind a Williams, which, and a lot of drivers have said that it's the Williams is more turbulent to follow.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember them saying that, yeah.
0: So it's a. That's a good thing for Williams, not so much for the rest of the field.
1: But the problem is, if you're having a. Like if Mercedes or Red Bull decided to go down with this peaky downforce idea, with them probably going to be at the front, it's not going to be that big a deal. But when you're doing it with a team that's at the back, Mm. always going to be following another car.
0: Does it show does it show their intent to try and compete though? Is that is is it not is it not a positive that they're trying something different, they're trying something new, it's they're pushing the boundaries.
1: Uh, Williams are always positive. Well, no, not always, but this year it is because the investment they've had. I mean, Donaldson Capital have put in over a hundred million and that's not included buying the team. Uh, and that Josh Capito is a very competent CEO. Yeah. So,
0: you know,
1: the It's going to take a few years. I just don't see it now, you know, with testing, seeing it being as good as what people were kind of hoping. They are doing some work to the car. Um,
2: They actually did put in some representative times uh, during testing. They did seem to be a bit all right to place, but they did put in some good times, especially on the last day.
1: But then the last day might have been, you know, very low fuel, Mm. quality runs, turning the engine up, you know. But, but you, as you
0: say, they have got George Russell in the uh, in yeah, the in the team, so the hopefully only,
1: that's the only trump card is George Russell,
0: really. Any anything else to add to that, Danny? I know you're a, you're a big uh, George Russell fan. Are you going to be watching the Williams um, with intrigue this year?
3: Yeah, I think um, I stick by. I think they're going to come above Haas. I think they're going to get a couple of points uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, um, Mazepin and, and Schumacher did. Pretty pretty well in testing. I mean, it's not considering
0: amazing. the car
3: they've got, yeah, yeah. Considering the car they got, I didn't think they'd be able to drive it how they did. I think they did pretty well, and especially with them being, uh, you know, the newbies as such, as well. I think they settled in pretty well. Um, uh, I know I said it in the um, two guys uh, earlier in the week after, after testing. I think if um, Has get a couple of points and do come above Williams, um, and Williams don't improve, I think Williams have serious issues. Uh, I mean, mm. Haas aren't developing their car this year. Uh, they've, they've done nothing to it because they're going to focus on next year. Uh, so that alone, if Williams still can't pit them to the to the points, <laughs> then that's serious, serious issues, really. Yeah, Especially considering they've got George in the car, because he is a brilliant driver, as we've seen. When he gets mm. the chance to drive something that can be driven and, and raced, then he's brilliant. Um, yeah, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing how well they do. But I've had years of expecting from Williams, and uh, they've the, the been on the downfall. Uh, so, but I do believe they'll come back. It, it just depends. They can't go any
0: lower. They can't go that's, that, that that's one positive. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, can But I mean, if if you steer that law for too long, I think you're going to be gone. Uh, we, you know, it's. But we, we'll see. We'll see. I think. I think it'd be a shame to see uh, Williams leave F1. Obviously, uh, as we said, it's a it's a family name that everybody loves. But how how long can you keep chasing the pack for? And holding drivers like George Russell back, you know, um, not that they're holding him back. There's no position for him at, at, at another team at the minute, uh, mm. but you know, to, it's it's just frustrating to see such a driver sat in a car, you know, that it just isn't doing anything like it should be, you know. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. If if it wasn't such a family name, I think they'd be in the position like Haas, where they're just passing um, passing drivers through. You know, somebody somebody comes and they're going to go. Somebody comes and they're going to go. But I, I, can't, I mean, we'll see what the future of Hass is in F1 as well. You know, once they do make changes next year and start, if they can't progress really because they're not doing anything either, so mm. and they haven't got the family name and history that Williams have. So we'll see, we'll see.
1: Hass will be in Grand Prix by next season. Yeah, think? yeah, that's probably why. That's probably why he hasn't sold. That There's not doing it into the car because. Gene Haas has probably already sold it. Mm.
2: Because
1: if you remember, the Mizepin family wanted to buy Racing Point or uh, North India and they got stumped and he actually was going to take the Stroh family to court and the administrators to court because he said that he should have got it.
0: There was underhand business going on, yeah. That's what you tried to
1: say. So what better way to go against them is to buy a team? But I don't know what you're buying with Haas because they don't... They've, they don't own anything, really, do they? Don't really, I know they buy everything in. I mean, the chassis made by <laughs> is it Dawara? Yeah. They, you know, they bring it. They don't do a lot. You're not buying much other than an entry and maybe a name. But then, mm-hmm. you know, the Maseratis own two thirds of Russia, so <laughs> they've got they've got the money for it. The GDP of a small a small country, so you know, I'm sure they'll be able to work it out.
0: Okay. Was there any other standout points from testing before we move on to close the show? What what what, what can we say? Anything we've missed? Um, Perez, you said had a blowout of the engine cover. Was there a, a reason behind that? You said it was the. Uh, well, was fought, it was it was falling the volumes,
1: but no, yeah. it's just it was just an engine cover. It caught a bit of turbulence. Probably a clip broke or something, and yeah, a bit not not, a bit not
0: sealed of, down properly or whatever. When
1: it happened. Uh, mm. Because it just they are that thin that it didn't do much, it didn't survive much. Uh, hmm. I mean, in general, there wasn't a lot of red flags. There was a couple. We had a red flag for Saints stopping on track. Yeah. We had a red flag for that incident with the engine cover for a bit of sweeping up the, the thing. And then was, mm-hmm. the only other red flag was Hamilton when he put it in the gravel. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's, there's, there's only one car stopped on track, which was. How was science? Incredible. That, was that the first day? It was no. I think it was the clerk. Was it Leclerc? clerk? Uh, yeah, I think it was the clerk. Originally, thought it he was in a you know a run out feel on purpose, but then it seemed to be it wasn't. It seemed to be an actual issue, but yeah, that was only stoppage in the whole three days. Yeah, the car okay traveled on.
1: They just got on with it. You know, alpine and ricardo. They done hundreds and hundreds of miles. So, yeah, the only other thing that I don't think we touched on was McLaren came in with a slightly different diffuser. Now you know, Sponge needs to not he needs to calm himself down. It's not the Braun double diffuser situation. So, they <laughs> just came up with a slightly different uh, interpretation of the rules. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think the 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 kind of closing word has to go to Red Bull for the test. This these three days, I don't remember a test where Red Bull. were just yeah. not. They just went out there. Yeah, from day one, they were just they there. on everything. They, you could tell that Sky Sports, the reporters were saying that in Red Bull, everything, they were bouncing, they were on their toes, they were laughing, they were, you know, Perez got out in the car, got on with it, uh-huh. and put in some good times. And I think someone put a comparison and equalised the times between Verstappen and Perez. And actually, if you'd done whatever it was they did, Perez came out faster.
0: Uh, so it's going to be a close, a close battle in but in the team itself. That's been the if Achilles not on the track with the, with the other teams,
1: It's the Achilles heel for Red Bull? They've not had their wingman. If Baffin mm. had it, like when Hamilton had a wee bit of a mare or wasn't quite on it, Bottas was there. If yeah, Baffin had a mare. Album
0: it was tenth. It just you know it, that doesn't that doesn't help any. Uh, so do you think do you think Red Bull are serious contenders for the constructors at the very least this year? I think, yeah. I think they're contenders for both. I think there's a fundamental issue with the Mercedes.
1: There's yeah. something, it's not just a case of, you know, a bit of tricky wind here and binning it, which, you know, or a couple of things breaking. That's supposed to happen in testing. There's something, the car was not planted. Now, I watched three days of testing, which was not the most thrilling thing to watch. Mm. But anytime time the Mercedes was on, <laughs> I think on the third day, Bottas, the, Bottas, Looked like he was driving a Mercedes for a wee bit yeah. in one yeah. one half a day, but other than that, when you've got somebody like Hamilton losing it and his Adams yeah. done earlier, they couldn't. There's a, they couldn't get the sweet spot, and it's not just about finding the sweet spot. Something is fundamentally not right with that car.
0: Yeah, but let's let's be honest, about it. If if they do see after two races that they're not performing in the car, that they'll just revert to last year's car. Which was
1: last year's car because I think it's linked to the new rules. Yeah, I think there's it's the rear end of the car that's not doing what it's supposed to do.
2: Right. So
1: it's not quite as simple. as just maybe they could have done that, but they can't because there was quite a lot of changes in terms of what they can do and put things through. And I think. This is the time, the start of this season, the first two or three races, we've got, what have we got? We've got Bahrain, we've got Portimao, the third one. What's the second race? I can't remember off the top of my head. Emily. Emila. So you're looking at those first three races, minimum, where Red Bull need to win them because I think Mercedes are going to be there. They're going to be there because they're Mercedes and Hamilton, but they're not going to be quite as dominant. Uh, and then I'll eat my words when Hamilton comes
0: out and he's two seconds fast on everybody in the, first day, <laughs> in the first
1: day qualifying. But I
0: th- I th- we shall see. I th- we shall see. Anyway, that's our, our roundup of the testing. Um, we've obviously talked about testing quite a bit now. Uh, that's kind of we've, we've touched on most things. I think there might be uh, a couple of teams we maybe didn't focus on too much, but we certainly mentioned their names. Um, the only other bit of news that really has been released this week, it's been a very quiet week in the world of uh, F1 is the new track in Saudi Arabia. Um, it, it's going to be in Jeddah. It's a, a new street race. Um, it's going to be the uh, fastest average time lap uh, of, a, of a street race ever, 250 kilometers per hour. Uh, it's going to be the longest uh, street race lap uh, with 27 corners. And, um, you saw the images today what were your initial thoughts on that sponge have you got any did you see the, the track today uh for saudi arabia
4: yeah i've seen it not not very impressed obviously jury's out until i get a chance to run around it um it, it looks very, very narrow doesn't it it's very narrow there's lots of very high speed corners can't really see where there's an opportunity for people to um get alongside and issues. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to DRS, so it's just going to be a, a bore fest as it always is when it comes down to this kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, we'll get a chance as we do it. And him. they seem
0: to, they seem to put a, one of the taglines was th- three DRS zones, like that was a yeah, good that's thing. It, yeah, um,
2: it, yeah and, uh, get rid of that. <laughs> Adam, what were your thoughts on the on the track? Did you like it? Um, I didn't really look at too much detail. Saw a bit of the. Uh... The virtual onboard video. Um, it reminded me a bit of like a Formula E track. You know, it's all sort of close, you know, close walls and straight, straight corners and straights. You know, it, it didn't seem very uh, involving, but I don't really look at it in too much detail.
0: No, and it's obviously a Tilker design or a Tilka inspired design. Um, no.
2: He seems to have forgotten how to, how to design a track. <laughs> Like he so he, has he hasn't designed some great tracks and then he just seems to have forgotten it. He, he,
1: he, I think he's made one, Was it not? I think he's done one track that's decent.
2: He did Sepang. He, I think he designed Sepang.
1: Yeah. Turkey, Turkey was a
2: good one. And Turkey as well, yeah.
1: But he, he does the same thing as he always does. Long straight, tight corner. Longish straight, yeah. tight corner, a couple of sweeping corners. There's nothing there that's going to promote any kind of race. I think it might be good in qualifying because you might see somebody, you know, doing like Verstappen did a few years ago where it was on Drive to Survive where he was tipped to get pole and he binned it, smashed mm-hmm. the guy into the thing he ended up at the back of the grid. I think you could see that. But it reminds me a wee bit like uh, Vietnam in terms of me racing up in the Formula One game because it was the Vietnam track was horrible. Yeah, I
2: hit that track.
1: Could not hide <laughs> it. Not they just. I couldn't hook it up. Couldn't work it. It's a very similar looking track. Mm, yeah.
2: Um, all, all the corners look the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I? I just not. Yeah.
1: So I'm not looking. I'm. I'm inter- I'm always interested because it's a new track, regardless of the political issues, and I've touched on that when it was first announced we are going there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but again, a narrow track. With these cars, that remember they're they're nearly, they're nearly six
0: feet wide. Yeah, they're wide beasts, aren't they? Danny, have you got any an opinion on on, on the the Saudi Arabia track in Jeddah?
3: No, um, yeah, it's quite narrow, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, speed, speed, speed. I, is it going to be pe- racing really, or is it just going to be about speed? You know, the DRS. Uh, you, we shouldn't be shouting about as you know three. Well, we want none. You know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, no, I don't think there's going to be much passing. I think it's going to be another Monaco, um, yeah.
0: We'll, we'll... It seems like they've gone for big headlines, haven't they? You know, 27 corners, longest lap, uh, longest street circuit lap on the, 20 in, the corners in the world. Even corners, I was, was going to say,
3: yeah, I, what, what, what? The need to class as a corner? I don't understand. There's not 27 corners there. It's a slight bend, if anything, for, for about 20 of them. <laughs> and then you've got yeah. a big turnaround at this end and a big turnaround at that end.
0: Or a hairpin, as you hairpin. would say, like, like like the hair clip that we posted yeah. on our Facebook page. <laughs> but yeah,
3: we'll see. As Coop said, always excited to see a new track.
0: But... This is um this is a temporary track, isn't it? Because they're actually building a, an, an actual track in Saudi Arabia. Um from what well, I gather. With,
1: this, skin, so I'm year probably.
0: this this is just to kind of get them on this on the calendar this year. Um I don't know whether it's gonna be the, for a couple of years and then they'll they'll have a new track track, an actual um track which might promote decent driving. Um this is just kind of a temporary it's
1: only gonna uh, fix decent driving if Telka doesn't design it. <laughs>
0: It's a, I, I mean I I don't think the FIA or, or Formula One will drop Tilka. I think they uh, they 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 rely on him too much, for, to be honest with you.
1: I think has got a company that does track design in He's doing quite a few decently. Hmm.
0: Maybe time for someone else to have a go.
1: How many decent talker tracks are there? What two? And how many has he made? But 307?
0: Number got, there are there are aspects of some of the laps. And some of the circuits that are really good. Um, it's just yeah, very they're all very Tilka. He's he's get, he's, he's brilliant at the buildings and he, he makes he makes the you know the architecture around the tracks look absolutely beautiful, and I think that's probably right. what he prefers.
2: Here we go. Here's he has designed Sepang, uh, Circuit Bahrain, Shanghai, Istanbul, Valencia. I love Valencia. Um and, uh, Singapore. <laughs> Singapore, Yas Marina, Korea. Yeah, and Korea didn't exactly have a great race.
1: Bahrain, was, Bahrain got better, but wasn't brilliant to start off with.
2: Mm. But he designed the Circuit of the Americas track, which is actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's probably that's yeah. probably the only track you've done right. Um, Russia as well,
2: which is actually a pretty good track. Russia? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, on the on the game. Driving it is good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Racing's not very good. but no, they're
1: actually nice driving driving it is
2: good. In the last fest in real-time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Hanoi, yeah, so Vietnam. So that's all the ones he's done. Yeah, that that was awful. So we're glad we
1: never saw a race on that track. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, A1. Hey, so- he did the oh. A1 ring in Austria as well, which is a good track. So we've got two.
0: <laughs> there were there were a few more than two that he has had i think he has had a, a few good tracks um it as I say he he's, he tends he tends to have a, a good couple and then it has a really bad run of not so not so great tra- great tracks and then he'll do another one that's actually pretty good when he when he finds another theory out and uh, tries something a bit different um and then again he tries to copy that and emulate that too many times into the next few races and it's it, they'll just become very very similar uh, to each other um but we can agree that he's, he's, he's got a couple of tracks that we like to enjoy racing on. Um, that's pretty much all the news that we've had this week. There wasn't there wasn't any additional things um, that came out, um, apart from obviously all the results from testing. So that's really all we've got space to, to talk about. As usual, uh, please follow us on all our social medias. So we're at JoinEF1 on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Go over to those social medias, give us give us a like, follow us, uh, and we will try and give, keep you up to date with as much of the lo- uh, latest F1 news as possible. Um, obviously, subscribe to this podcast. We've also got a YouTube channel. We will be getting more content on there uh, as we go further into the season. And, of course, if you haven't already, please join the Everything, Everything F1 Fantasy League. Uh, we've got around about 50 players uh, already rolled in to the league by all means come into the league and join and see if you can beat us we will be given a prize at the end of this year um and the prize will be given to whoever is the top scoring non-everything f1 person so join the league we want to see you all your, all your teams and see how well you can do and if you can beat any of us uh, in the league too i'd like to take this opportunity to thank you very much for listening today Thanks very much to my co-hosts, Danny, Coops, Sponge and Adam. Thank you very much for listening today and stay tuned to the page for all the latest breaking news. Bye-bye from me and bye-bye for everyone else. Bye-bye. bye bye